Coming to you from the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains, Denver, Colorado, it's the Savage Cast, a Savage Worlds podcast brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Savages. Here are your hosts, Chris Savage Mummy Fox and Christopher Savage Bull Landauer. Savages, welcome to Savage Cast, episode 33. Holler back, boys. Yeah, we've got an interview today uh, for a new product that's coming out called Holler. I just, I, I keep thinking all kinds of country music songs. Oh, right. Uh, but it's going it's to be really interesting. We're going to talk to the author of it here in a little bit. So uh, we won't talk a lot about it yet, but uh, we've got some uh, news and some stuff to share with everybody some projects that we're working on uh, that you may or may not know about. So uh, let's just uh, give a bit of uh, what we've been doing. Yeah, first big announcement is for the Savage Cruise coming your way at the end of January 2020. Carl Kiesler has been announced by Pinnacle as the official Pinnacle uh, demonstration game master for the entire cruise. So that is awesome. That's our first celebrity guest announcement. I mean, besides, you know, us, like we're, we're, we're big, important people, but Carl, the amazing man himself. Yeah. Carl's going to have a, a fun, enjoyable cruise where we're going to work him to the bone and he has to run tons of games and yeah. Thanks Carl. Right. Uh, I mean, he, his, his production quality and I love how just cheeky his games are. So, um, it's going to be fun. Right, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. You got to consider, like, uh, you know, we know a lot of you can't come out to Colorado, but you can meet us in New Orleans and go to the Caribbean for a week. I mean, and or, or the Caribbean, either one. We accept really, both terms. Really good pricing. It's really not gonna be that. I'm guessing for the whole cruise, under fifteen hundred dollars, probably. Oh yeah, even with excursions yeah. and like you know mementos and all that good stuff yeah i think you could pull it off for fifteen hundred dollars right and it's a good time to go like we're, we're going end of january so pretty much all of north america is in crappy winter mode and we'll be on beaches drinking yes. you know drinks with umbrellas in them and rolling pretty dice and having, having lots fun. having lots of margaritas right and uh i mean the, the the three destinations are pretty awesome we can stop in in uh, jamaica and grand cayman and in cozumel yeah, so Montego bay Right, Montego Bay. I was singing the song that a song popped my head, and uh, I've I've already got plans at each of the three stops. At some point, lunch most likely will be at one of the Margaritavilles because I already checked. Each one of those has a Margaritaville. Oh, nice! You're a big parrothead. Sitting right? here in my my Las Vegas Margaritaville T-shirt, huge parrothead. Love Jimmy Buffett. So I'm really looking forward to to going and and seeing the Margaritavilles. And uh, been to the one in Cancun, um, but uh, we'll, we'll uh, make those plans. And I'm going to swim with the Stingrays and Grand Cayman. That's going to be awesome. It's just it's going to be a lot of fun and gaming, you know, and all the other stuff that comes with the cruise, uh, you know, gaining, you know, 20 pounds. Right. I'm bringing my old man, so you get to meet the craziness that explains my craziness. So yeah, and, uh, we're going to go check out. Uh, when I was in middle school, my dad made me a bet. He's like, beginning of middle school, he's like, if you get straight A's, I'll take you wherever you want to go. And he's figuring like Disneyland, right? Somewhere like domestic. And so I aced middle school. Like I became a good student. And uh, so at the end of middle school, I'm like, I want to go to Egypt. And he's like, sure, let's do it. So, you know, we, we love the ancient stuff. My dad had read me like other little kids got fairy tales as a kid. I got the Iliad and the Odyssey as my nice. bedtime stories. And so... We packed it up and went to Egypt for a month, and it was amazing. And we, you know, he loves watching those shows now, like the uh, ancient aliens and the conspiracy theories and all the stuff that, you know, the, the different pyramid theories. And, you know, obviously we don't believe any of it, but, um, yeah, it's fun. To, they're kind of good travelogues um, besides being, you know, whacked out Greek dudes with big fluffy hair. Um, and adventure fodder. Right? Right? For, for, for role-playing, they're fantastic. And um, so I always wanted to show him the other pyramids in the in the L. So uh, odds of getting to China to see those aren't super big because there's definitely like a big pyramid that's underground under a mountain. that's like one of the emperor's pyramid. But uh, we've done the Egyptian ones. Now we get to do the South American ones because there's um, there's actually some uh, decent ones uh, right off of Cozumel. So nice. that's where we're going to head to. That's that's our excursion for Mexico. And uh, you're going to love the Stingray stuff. I mean, getting in the water with, you know, amazing. Yeah, my, par my parents were, uh, my parents did that and loved it. And, uh, you know, uh, talking with Kim, who is uh, kind of our travel agent in charge and, and our, our 
the, the head lady, the head lady in charge of all of this, uh, she came out, she, she was talking to us one at one point about the timing of this. If you want to go and you want to do an excursion, it's right after, if you think about it, right after Christmas, what a great Christmas present, right? An excursion. My, I already talked to my mom and my mom's going to pay for my swim with the stingrays as a Christmas gift. And I'm like, you know, and that's all I really need. And so, you know, that was a great thing to think about. So if you guys are thinking about going and you've got family who, you know, you're doing a big Christmas, maybe this year say, Hey, I'm going to be going on a cruise. Just buy me an excursion. Right. I'm thinking about doing like, well, you're off in the stingrays. I think I'm going to go over to the, um, the turtle sanctuary because I didn't know I liked turtles. Um, when I was a little kid though, I did have a blanket. My, my banky, um, was froggy as a kid. It was this green, um, like, and had like cute little baby versions of a bunch of little animals. And but one of them was a frog. And then the, the border my grandma put on it was a green border. So my little banky as a kid was froggy and, um, I had forgotten that, but I'm like, uh, I went to Maui for a, uh, my college roommate and best friend's wedding. He was getting married out in Maui. So I had first time in Hawaii and right off the beach of where we're staying in like Kanapali, yeah, went out to just snorkel in the water and ran across this huge green sea turtle. Just kind of swam up and was like, hey, dude. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing thing. Like, they're just majestic and cool and chill. And I'm just, you know, I literally just walk into the water and here's a you know wild animal. It's pretty amazing. Um, so they're going to go check those out while we're there. They have a, like a, a turtle sanctuary and they have hatchery and stuff. I'm like, that'd be a cool thing to check yeah, out. Yeah, looks like I get to do Maui maybe next summer. Right. I'm excited. You know, having, having gamer friends who live in, in, in different parts of the world. Boy, that's a that's a benefit, right? You're, you're taking advantage of it. So we got you're heading out to what Italy actually heading too out as well. Italy, uh, this September, be there from the 16th through the 28th. Going to spend six days in Bari with our good friend Gilbert. Gilbert, and then uh, going to spend three days in Florence and three days in Rome. That's a good that's a good little clip because those are gorgeous cities. Yeah, so it'll be a nice two week vacation. So really looking forward to that. Uh, if there's any uh, anybody out there in Italy that's listening. Uh, who wants to get together? I'll throw some dates up on uh, Facebook at some point, and uh, maybe we can get together. I am currently looking uh, for a travel guide in Rome. Um, I think I have one, and I think Gilbert has a friend in Florence who uh, has offered to show me around, but I'm still looking for somebody in Rome. So anybody out there listening who'd like to show the Savage Mommy around Rome, uh, that'd be great. I was there once when I was 11, uh, so I've been there, but uh, I, I still would need somebody to show me around. And well, now you're old enough to enjoy the wine. Yes. Well, I am going to I'm going to do a beer tour. Nice. Uh, a friend of mine in England, um, she just posted to Facebook uh, that she has a friend who does beer tours in Rome and that she would she would hook me up. So I'm not a big beer drinker, but I'm going to be in Rome. Hey, what in Rome, right? So I'm going to do so I'm going to do a beer tour in Rome. So, yeah. Yeah. Post a post a Facebook, uh, the, the uh, Savage Cast or even the Rocky Mountain Savages page. Uh, if you're from Italy and you'd like to, to uh, meet up and have a dinner or a lunch or something like that. I'll get you, we'll get exact dates. Uh, I may not put the exact, I may not put the exact dates up on Facebook because I kind of don't want weirdos to know when I'm gone and what I'm doing. <laughs> but uh, we, we can message if you, if you want to. So yeah, looking forward to that. And you got something kind of cool coming up that I've been talking about wanting to do that you get to go down to Atlanta, is it? Oh, yes, yes, Atlanta, the the, uh, the big hot south, uh, hot Atlanta. Uh, Dragon Con is coming up uh, August 29th through September 2nd, and I will be there pimping our wares. So uh, while Fox is in Italy um, doing research, we can write off for the savages for Marginalia, because we're setting that in Italy. Um, I'm going to be demoing... Uh, our wares, our games at DragonCon this year, um, which should be a lot of fun. So, what um, are those? Well, hot damn! Um, first and foremost, SWAT spells, weapons, and tactics, and uh, Bureau Thirteen, and maybe something else. We'll see, depending on how many slots I can fit in. Um, but definitely uh, several sessions of Bureau Thirteen. We're going to do like three different time periods, and uh, and then SWAT spells, weapons, and tactics, our new fantasy parody setting. And uh, if you guys want to get a preview of both of those, this last group of Jumpstarts, Jumpstart Bundle 4, has our gorgeous SWAT Jumpstart in there. And then the Beer 13 Jumpstart, also looking pretty polished, is in there. And then it's going to be a big Denver push. The um, Daryl Hardy's Empire of Venom and Silk is in that Jumpstart. I missed that. Okay, I, now, I, now I have to go back and take a look. It's spiders. And I like the, I can't believe I missed that. 
Yeah, yeah. I it's didn't even it. notice that it was in there. So yeah, I'll go back and read that one. Yeah, that one's good. The um, I did a little proofreading forum for it, but yeah, it looks great. Um, of course, Freedom Squadron by local Sean Patrick Fannin and crew, like uh, all the other people who were local, uh, including Joe Thomas, who worked on that. The um, Their uh, recruitment guide is in there as a jumpstart. And then um, Accursed, uh, which is John Dunn and local Ross Watson. So there's at least five jumpstarts in the last batch that are all Denver proud. And uh, so check those out. And um, if you enjoy our SWAT jumpstart, it's also up uh, for pay what you want on DriveThruRPG. Um, give us a rating. We got hit by the, apparently there's a two-star bandit who runs around and um, most of the free uh, Savage Worlds products and even some of the paid ones runs around giving two stars and we got two starred. Yes. So if you like our... We're there. We are, we are part right? of the group now. We got initiated. and uh, But if you want to correct the current imbalance of our rating um, and give us something good, more than two stars, please. We'd love it. Um, we'd love it. That'd be awesome. So yeah, you can download that for free from DriveThruRPG. And also, and if you want to play test, you can go to SWATRPG.com and sign up for our play test. Yeah, uh, because we are going to be play testing it. Um, you know, we still got some some work to do on it and, and how we want to run the play test. But we uh, had some talk about um, doing kind of a basic rules, having some people play test those, and then we've got some ideas for trial by combat and for um, some social things, social combats and things like that that we're going to break out into smaller systems. And we're going to need those play tested. So, you know, that's kind of a, a work in progress of how we want to do the the play test. But the Jumpstart has a small adventure that's pretty much basically based off of the new suede social combat mechanic. So if you're interested in how the social combat mechanic works, you know, go out, grab our Jumpstart. You've got how many? Six pre-gens in it? Yeah, there's six pre-gens, and then Mark Gacy uh, and Daryl uh, Hardy worked up the, that plot. Daryl Hardy came up with our format for how to structure the adventures, and Gacy filled that one out. And um, we, we, we put that one in there because we figured, you know, you guys know how to do combat in fantasy and in Savage Worlds. Um, you know, structuring other adventures around it is probably pretty easy. But the new social combat rules, we wanted to give those, you know, take those out for a test drive. And we really love what they did in Suede. And we figured we'll give you some tools, a couple pages of, of narrative and some some ideas. And so, you know, the basic idea is that you guys are on-duty cops who have to go in and, and do a drinking contest and try not to embarrass yourselves. Um, While well, on-duty. On-duty, right? Right. But being on duty and being dwarves and things like that, you're allowed to drink on duty. I mean, right. it's, well, it's funny, even in the real world, like most most police officers are allowed to have like one or two drinks uh, if you're undercover or you're working a case. Um, but you, you have to toe that line, right? You have to toe the line of, uh, uh, you know, not embarrassing yourself in public and, and, and becoming a problem. And uh, but correctly uh, carousing with uh, undesirables to get into the information you want. So we figured that would that would be a good test of yeah that's what that's what's at stake in in that little scene and um so it's not life or death and well you could you could go there you could we did put the stats in case it devolves into combat but um we went we wanted to just show off the new social combat rules and help you guys get into them and uh so we showed that off and then we've got a little preview of uh the cinematic stuff so the, the boys uh isaac and caleb sunstead from the sounds like crows podcast uh can get a preview of their chapter from our book which goes over the, um, you know, how to make it, how to make it cinematic with a big C, actual like cinema, and um, you know, the, the kind of broadening that term into using uh, camera shots, dolly shots, um, zoom shots, that kind Pans, of thing, so, Pans, yeah. uh, to to bring some more uh, creative storytelling techniques to your game, and uh, so got a little snippet from their chapter. And if you're interested, sounds like Crows podcast. Look them up on any podcast. Oh yeah, they're in uh, season three right now. Yeah. Excellent, so you can great get them show. On Stitcher, you can get them on iTunes, and uh, they're going to actually be running. They're going to actually do a season for us, full of a uh, season or one shot or uh, mini campaign uh, of a SWAT campaign. So that's going to be awesome. And yeah, looking um, forward to that one. Right? Do what they're going to do with that. And uh, Carl Kieser um, did a bunch of our layout. I helped out with some of the graphics, and then Brian McCabe, uh, awesome local dude. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, he's the one who, who wrote up the initial article about um, our, our certain uh, blowho swaggins um, at the front of our jumpstart. Pretty awesome uh, kind of little write-up that's kind of pokes fun at uh, Lord of the Rings and, and, and good old Bilbo. What would actually happen if uh, you did come back rich and uh, you know turned into a, a bit of a chav? And this is a great little article at the very beginning of our jumpstart that you guys should check out. 
And um, so, yeah, we're really proud of it. We're proud we get out, finally got it out the door. Yes. You can see yeah. what we're doing so you can talk about it more. And um, we appreciate the feedback. Uh, we got some lovely feedback from uh, our other fellow creators on just kind of how ambitious we were in uh, going after what, how, how can we take the mechanics and really stretch them and, and hopefully not break them, but, you know, do some interesting new creative things. And uh, uh, the other feedback is great. The feedback is, is of excess. Like, oh, the file is just too big. Well, of course, because the art is gorgeous and we didn't want to compress it down into pixelated crap. But um, we actually will we'll be getting up a little more optimized version. So those of you on tablets and phones can can uh, use it uh, expediently. Right, get it to actually load quicker. Right. So it's not like you're on a, on a uh, an old bog modem. Right, but th- those of you who are printing it out, it is gorgeous in its current state. And we'll leave that version in there. We'll just add another version for Yeah, I will mobile. say uh, it's... it's... Probably not ink friendly, but it is. It oh, is we, we 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 had Carl do separate the layers. So if you just if you actually want to print it out and you want to save some ink, you can turn off the graphics in the background. Yeah. And just get the text. And then for the eventual book, will be very accessible friendly and actually will be pretty, uh, having a, a text only version that can help out people who are accessible needing just you know, straight up text that they can even put into a reader um, or you know easily change the font and layout for themselves. So we are appreciative of uh, the accessibility needs. Yeah, and, some uh, and feedback. Yeah, we need some do feedback. We have, do we have a SWAT? RPG email address? Uh, we do. It's um, dispatch, D-I-S-P-A-T-C-H at SWATRPG.com. Perfect. And, um, and leave it on. You can go to our Facebook page. You can leave it. There is a Facebook group for SWAT now, too. Yeah. There's Rocky Mountain Savages on Facebook, and there's also a SWAT um, Facebook group if you want to join that. And then, yeah, if you want to join our playtest and get a hold of the preview documents, SWATRPG.com slash playtest is a little form to fill out, and uh, we will get you added to our list. And you can get your hands on all the goodness early. Uh, keep that feedback rolling in. We appreciate it. It's definitely making a better yeah, product. And it's gonna it's gonna probably take a little while to, to parse stuff out because uh, our plan we're not even planning on kickstarting this till 2020. So probably sometime next year after the cruise, um, after we've got some of that stuff done. Uh, after Bureau 13 is going to kickstart here in, on September 13th. Yeah, Friday the 13th, September. Uh, so SWAT's gonna SWAT's gonna come a little bit later. Uh, but we've got a good start, and I think we've got a good momentum going on that. So. Yeah, and we're—I mean, our plan with that is that we're not kickstarting, you know, vaporware. We're going to kickstart when the book is done, and you know, by done, I mean you know, the manuscript is written, it's ready to go to do playtest. So, pretty much, uh, our our ideal is the second the Kickstarter closes, we give you our you know beta test document um, in full that right. you can run and play. And then, you know, the, the rest of the funding is going to go to finishing up the art assets and then you know, getting it printed. And, um, uh, you know, and that landscape is changing, interestingly. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that's our plan is that we're, um, you know, we thought we were 90% done, 95% done with Buccaneer. And it just turned out we were more like 80% done. And that last 20% is tough because, you know, you're just dealing with people's timelines. And, stuff like that. and we're like, you know, let's let's get this done, done, done as much as possible and just kind of seeing what they did with suede. I mean, suede was done, done, done. And then it wasn't, you know, and sure the changes were, um, you know, small and elegant, but they really created a better product with that feedback. And so we want to give enough time for you guys to get your hands on it. And that's why we're releasing, you know, there's a big chunk of it. It's a, it's a 20 some odd page to a 26 page page document. And um, there's some some heavy crunch in there, guys. We didn't hold back. There is enough crunch in there for you to really test out, even in your own games. It doesn't have to be a a, a parody comedy police procedural for you to test out the crunch we put in there. The crunch can really, um, you know, you can add it to your own games for a session and see how it plays and give us feedback on that. And um, and we think we're being we're pretty ambitious on that. So we want to we want to get feedback and know you know where the limits are, what you know what kind of advice we need to give to to you know game masters on on how best to use it, how you know what 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 pitfalls to avoid. Um, but yeah, that's our plan. I mean, we're we're not worried about um, giving away the farm too early. We you know we've seen other kickstarters recently like Lancer and some other products where you know they put out a beta test document a year or two before they went to Kickstarter, which was basically their entire book and they still did incredibly successful you know i don't think we're worried about people taking our rules and running and not paying us i think what we want is that uh you know for this flagship inaugural product for it to be just good i mean we, we right. want the standards to be good enough and um yeah we, we figure the if you build it the backers will come the funding will come and um so we're less worried about keeping secrets from you guys and more worried about you know, take it out for you know, kick the tires, take it out, you know, go you know, run it around the corners fast and see how it handles. So, um, yeah, and then on that beer 13 as well, um, the September 13th, Friday the 13th, is the Kickstarter launch for beer 13. 
and um, that that jump starts out, and uh, I'll be running that at Dragon Con. So give that a look as well. We are always appreciative of feedback on that, and uh, that project is rolling downhill like a snowball, getting bigger and bigger and bigger as we go. So it's good to see these things kind of move along in progress. So lots of good stuff we got for you. So remember, Savage Cruise, Carl Kiesler, uh, end of January 2020. You can get on board now for as little as $25, and that secures us more space. And payment plans. Basically, I'm paying $64 a month. And then basically up until October, and then I'll make my last payment in October. And so I'm really, to be honest with you, not even really noticing it. Yeah. Kim just sends me an email, says, hey, I just took out the, I just took out the next monthly payment. It's around the 15th of the month. So she's kind of doing it mid- mid-month because a lot of people are every co- every other week for pay. So she's, she's doing a really, uh, really good job on, on that. And she's keeping us updated on all the different you know states that are coming. I think we just, New York was our latest. Right. We, yes, we finally have. We're coast to coast now. And um, so this is just a real good opportunity. If you guys want to meet us and you want to meet some others of the Savages. And uh, you know we're, we are blessed to have so much community building here. Uh, we know some of you guys are in little islands um, without as much savage goodness. So um, if you can, uh, we tried to make it as affordable as possible. It's the cheapest cruise we could find for the for the quality. Um, tried to pick good dates. Uh, I know we can't get everybody. I know some people who are working in the school systems, are, those are tough dates to work around. Some people are in quarters. Some people are on semesters. And some people are a week off on each of those. And uh, we tried to get good dates, good times, and then uh, and really just fun spots. Like Even if we weren't there... This is a really cheap cruise for a really good price out of New Orleans and to, you know, three great destinations. So that should be fun. And um, uh, we don't even know. Fox and I are in the dark, but Kim said that they're, they're working on another guest, apparently, maybe. So no promises, but um, it sounds like there's there's stuff in the works, which, uh, I mean, even even we don't know. Um, so, yeah, so check out the Jumpstart, Savage Cruise. Um, Fox is going to be in Italy um, September. I'm going to be in Dragon Con August, in the beginning of September. And... Um, yeah, the only other thing to check out is the the after um, the after Kickstarter just oh, yeah. launched. Yeah, we got to start talking about everything else. We almost forgot about the after. Yeah, that's a cool new setting. It's um, John Gibbons of Jade Monkey. See what he did there, Gibbon Monkey Monkey Gibbon. Pretty cool. Um, it looks great. Uh, I like the art. Their layout looks pretty fantastic. And their Kickstarter just launched. And uh, twenty six days to go. Yeah, hopefully about two thousand dollars from being funded right now. So hopefully, yeah, yeah, get in on that and push that over. And so we'll try to get John uh, and compatriots on for a future podcast to talk about that setting. Um, looks great. I don't know if it's going to be within the time frame of the Kickstarter, unfortunately. But, you know, even now, if, if you kickstart it, you know, even for the PDF level and the Kickstarter ends, at least we can still have them on and, and you know, talk to them and about what, what, what people can expect from it. So. Yeah, and that kind of segues into a, that's a post-apocalyptic fun setting. And this that kind of segues into our, our uh, guest call today. So we're about to get on the phone and we'll get um, Tim Early, who is a brand new Rocky Mountain Savage. He happened to float us a preview document of his new setting called The Holler. And uh, it's pretty cool. And it's Appalachian Apocalypse. Right? You can just hear dueling banjos in the background. And it's pretty amazing. So we're going to call Tim. We'll get him on the line. And um, so stay tuned. Savages, on the phone, we've got Tim Early, author behind the upcoming Savage World setting, The Holler. How's it going, Tim? Great. How are you guys doing? Doing good. And he, he always he keeps forgetting to add the, the best part of this, an Appalachian apocalypse. An Appalachian That That, to me, that just, that, that is, is, is evocative, and it kind of pulled me in, just that tag right there. Oh, it's fantastic. Nice. So before we get to your setting, um, tell us a little bit, bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up? How'd you get into role-playing? How'd you get into Savage Worlds? Well, I grew up in Western North Carolina, so I'm from Appalachia. Um, a lot of my family worked in textile mills and, and other blue-collar work, which sort of fed into uh, me wanting to do a setting based on those things. Um, I started playing Dungeons & Dragons when I was 10 years old, which would have been 1982, and played mostly AD&D until I was about 16 and was obsessed with it and then i fell away and i didn't play for gosh a quarter of a century (laughs) i was i was 42 just moved to denver had a friend out here that said uh on her bucket list she wanted to play D &D. and i was like well i can probably manage that so i got the fifth edition books started running a little campaign 
And so that was four years ago, and I've just been getting deeper and deeper back into the hobby since. And I was playing mostly Powered by the Apocalypse games, really narrative-based games. And then I went to Genghis Khan um, this past February and saw the, the Savage presence and all the Savage games being run. And I actually played in uh, Scott Woodward's, Woodward's um, Flash Gordon game, which was uh, excellent. You chose and, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was an amazing game. He had a, a little green flashing time portal that we all stepped through uh, at one point. Um, and so it was so much fun. And I loved the, the, the acing dice and sort of the flexibility of the system and uh, just sort of how big and bold it is. Yeah, we and, should mention that the uh, they got an Origins Award nomination for that setting. So congratulations to Scott Woodard and crew, including our, our local David Boop, who's on Bureau 13 with us. They uh, they pulled in an Origins nomination. And uh, so if you're going to Origins and you're a voter, be sure to stop by and vote for uh, Flash Gordon because that's some good stuff. So yeah, definitely. the uh, yeah, we're, we're glad to finally have you out in the in the in the crew. And um, so what what makes Savage Worlds uh, different, better, more exciting? Why'd you pick Savage Worlds to write your setting in? Um, I like so many of the settings associated with it. Like it it can handle something like the Goon, which is just like over the top zombie noir that swings like from like comedy to tragedy, and it. It just uh, is able to encapsulate all that. I like the big dramatic swings uh, that happen in gameplay. Um, I like the, the the amount of crunch feels like you can be a little tactical and granular, but it's not unwieldy. It's, it's a very sort of smooth crunch, I guess. And so I um, also really like the Ripper setting. Uh, fell in love with the Flash Gordon setting. So I was seeing all these these cool things that people were doing with the system. And so I just started running games, and I've been running uh, East Texas and Ripper's Resurrected since Genghis Khan. And I was like, yeah, I think this is the system I want. And my players um, are having more fun playing Savage Worlds, I think, than than the other systems. They like it when their dice explode. <laughs> right? Everybody, everybody uh, likes that. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it was just... Uh, created more more fun at the table and more sort of big cinematic climactic moments so yeah i'm i'm all in on savage worlds at this point so is this going to be your first setting that you've created um i was working on a setting uh called coven which was about um witches in sort of a, a historical simulacrum of puritan new england um and they were sort of working to usurp the social order and still working on that game and but i just got this notion for for holler and wrote you know several thousand words in a week and i i think this is viable right and i just got really interested in it because it is where i'm from uh, the region's very important to me um the the history uh, the culture the folklore and i'd also teach uh, Appalachian literature at the University of Mississippi. I teach online classes there. So I, I just had, when I was, and I've had my players tell me, like, you should do something set in Appalachia, because I'll try to get somebody in, an NPC in, uh, with a southern accent at any opportunity, even when it's, you know, not a good idea for the setting. It just happens. They say, you just need to set a game there and, and do it and see, see what happens. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they do say, like, write what you know, and that, that right. brings a certain level of authenticity. But the um, it, it, it's amazing. that we, We'll have to get you guys, you hooked up with uh, the Blacks because they are in North Klakalaki. Uh, are they in South Klakalaki? Which one? I think they're in North I think Carolina. They're in North, yeah, North. Yeah. yeah. And, I taught uh, it, yeah, sorry, I taught at Catawba Valley Community College for four years, and I think they live not not too awful far from there, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds about right. I think you're right. Yeah. The... Um, yeah, because they are they are the paragons of Savage Worlds, the first couple, <laughs> and uh, and it's funny we just had um, Charles White, who's uh, now in South Carolina, but knows the Blacks, and uh, out to he was at, at Genghis Khan, and um, he's great people. He helped us get published, and uh, so we're learning, we're taking what we learned from him and helping uh, yeah the local community get published. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, when you sent me your draft, I'm like interesting holler. Okay, let's let's see, and the 
it pulled me. I mean, besides, I mean, Fox definitely got pulled in by uh, the, the the tagline. But I think your your opening couple paragraphs is super evocative. Kind of yeah, really pulls you into what this is going to be like. So why don't you go ahead and give us a recital of, uh, of Holler's uh, intro? Okay, sure thing. The old timers claim they remember when the rivers ran clear, forests deep, the earth produced bountiful food, and you could trust your kin and neighbors. That's before the four riders came, leering down from their enormous stallions, eyes aglow with fiendish light. The riders said they were prophets sent by the big boys from the city to spread the gospel of a new god, industry. They said we lived among natural riches that we could not understand and were incapable of harnessing for our own good. They said the big boys had decided to save us from our poverty and ignorance. The riders' voices thundered big as the sky, deep as the valley. The night winds grew with their declarations and gestures. The riders took their tent revival from town to town, promising a future of wealth and convenience. No more backbreaking labor in the fields, our crops at the mercy of the weather. No more ramshackle living with dirt floors and rotting roofs. No more sick children. No more loved ones dying before their time. No more hunger and no more grief. All we had to do was mark an X on a little paper saying the big boys were welcome among us, were welcome to what was beneath our land, were welcome to our labor. And a right good many of us thought that just that, that sounded just fine. A right good many of us had worked and suffered enough to scratch out the little bit of living we had. But deep down, we knew a devil's deal when we heard one. And when the riders came together in Galloway to sing the praises of the coming industrial utopia, Bascom Finley stood straight up in the middle of the sermon and said, flatly and firmly, over my dead body. That was all it took. The crowd set upon the riders with whatever was handy, pocket knives and pieces of timber, holy books and iron knuckles. It was a fight. The riders seemed to billow up larger than themselves, and the wind drew to them, and their hands might as, might have, might as well have been claws, and their eyes bore right into your soul and we lost a good many folks. By the end of the night, it was a true fact that those riders were laid out in the street, each one dead as mutton. But another true fact is that before the last one died, before Bascom picked up a shovel to deliver the killing blow, that rider let out a bellful moan and spoke, and as clear and unbothered as you please, these words. I curse this holler with a quandary of demons, neither bird nor bush nor butterfly, neither hope nor joy, nor beauty, pit and prison and thump, Bascom did amend, but those words stayed in all that heard them and all that didn't, and they are still inside us today. It wasn't long until the big boys came anyway. The mills went up, the mines went in, the days darkened, the mountains closed in around us. No way in, no way out, the big boys told us. They could come and go as they pleased, but sure enough, we could not. Any that tried disappeared into the trees or the mist or the maw of something evil. What could we do? We went to work for the big boys, into their mines and mills, into our woods to cut down the trees, into our mountains to blow off their tops and strip them down. We gave the big boys everything we had. They gave us little in return. The rivers ran sludgy and dark. What trees were left spit their leaves and shriveled. The ground gave bad fruit. Demons of every sort gibbered in the dark, with their hungers and perversions. Folks changed. They became tough, mean-spirited, turned their anger on their kin and their neighbors and themselves. What could we do? We kept working for the big boys. We kept humming into the bottle or under our breasts. One day, Bascom's great-granddaughter, Delilah, gathered a group of folks outside of the Galloway Mill after a shift. She got right in the middle of them and said firmly and flatly, Enough. We've had enough. This is what we're going to do. The other folks looked at her with dull eyes. One or two murmured a sense. There's been no doing yet. It's hard to rouse people who've had so much put on them. The big boys working on their minds every day. Their bodies bound beneath the earth and forged to machines. The dust of years settles and settles. The dust of years covers everything that is and everything that was. Until there are those brave enough to wipe it clean away. Love it. I mean, hot damn. 
that I, I can taste this setting. I can hear the, the 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 fiddle and the banjo wailing in the background. The, uh, it's it's super evocative. I mean, it kind of the only thing I can compare it to in role playing is maybe Dogs in the Vineyard as being just a you know a certain time and place that you never knew you needed this game. But right. when you hear it, like I, I want to play this. I want to I want to see. I want to hear the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, this is my first thought was who would think that signing an X to a little piece of paper would cause bad things to happen? <laughs> right. yeah. Oh, come on. Just sign this. You, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, it's like, uh, do you accept the terms and conditions? Nobody reads those terms and conditions. They just hit accept. So yeah. you got the, yeah. you got these four big boys to say, I just put an X there. Everything will be fine. It'll be great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, so so who are the PCs in this world? Who are the characters? What are the goals? What are the archetypes? Um, they are sort of um, everyday folks from Appalachia, but that covers like a, a wide range. I wanted to get some of like the iconic occupations in the region, like the labor that people actually do. So we have miners. Uh, we have Lint heads, which was a pejorative term that was used to describe folks who worked in the textile mill because they'd come out of the mill and have cotton in their hair. Um, gougers, uh, there's, there's a, was a sport really popular late 19th century America called rough and tumble fighting where sort of like the, the best thing you could possibly do would be to gouge out your opponent's eyes. Um, we got an archetype called a hellraiser. <laughs> Somebody who just likes to have a good damn time, first to brawl, first to party, first to speak his mind. Um, moonshiner, uh, a granny woman, which is sort of a very important cultural figure in Appalachia, like an old-time healer, midwife would deliver babies, um, a holy roller, bluegrass musicians, nice. um, and then things like the aggrieved mother, the family man, lumberjack. So, yeah, um, a and and the, my, maybe my favorite is called the no account. The no account who just can't seem to get right, right? Uh, it's a term in Appalachia for somebody who's like allergic to to work and just sort of lays around. But we tried to come up with a cool concept to take a character on the margins like that and turn him into a hero in some way. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to go back and watch Justified mm-hmm. and Carnivali, an HBO show that was a little bit of a – Dust Bowl America with some, you know, kind of, uh, you know, modern magic tarot kind of stuff thrown in. Um, there's this great, uh, movie about, um, I, I, I'd use my phone, but we're, we're calling on the phone and I don't want to hear all the, the advertising <laughs> pop up, but it's, um, it's basically about a woman who goes into Appalachia to record the songs. She, she has a, uh, oh, yeah, song catcher, song yeah. catcher. Yeah. Great little movie. And, um, you know that that's just I mean all that comes flooding in on this game and um, you know I, I I certainly haven't seen it done before uh, and this is just so evocative I, I you know I want to I want to play this I want to I want to see how this goes out I mean the yeah. um you know for for the the mystical kind of elements it seems like you know you got a little overtone it's very human too I mean the, these are people um you know you're going up against and and that's that's an interesting thing I think the mm-hmm. Uh, too often in, in, in role playing, we kind of, um, yeah, we create monsters because then there's not a big moral question of, of disposing of them to, to solve problems. But, you know, this just sounds so steeped in culture. And I mean, even a game you might learn something from. I mean, yeah, an actual, um, you know, educational experience in addition to just a. Are you saying edutainment? Edutainment. <laughs> edutainment. That's right. <laughs> uh, I think it's fantastic. So the. Um, uh, what what are your plans for publication? Are, are you going to do a plot point campaign? Um, where do you think this goes? Yeah, I'm I'm envisioning a, a plot point campaign, uh, Savage Tales to go along with that, uh, a full setting. I'm working with uh, Carl Kiesler. He's doing the layout. Uh, Rick Hershey is doing some of the art. We've We're worked with both those dudes before. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. There's some definite crossover. Um, and you know, first we'll we'll apply for. Uh, an ACES license is, is in the plans. Um, and then if we get approved, you know, just keep working. And when we get it close to being text complete, kickstart it. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to do a full, a full setting. Yeah. Fantastic. And you know, any help you need, feel free. Uh, you know, that is our current mission uh, going forward is to 
uh, get as many of our you know friends, family, locals published as possible in Savage Worlds. Yeah, we think we got a a special thing here. And uh, yeah. and hey, you just show up off the radar and just you know bring this this amazing uh, little little project. So I'm excited to see this this go forward. Um, yeah, so yeah, hopefully any help we can be by all means, uh, feel free to to you know drop us a line. We'll help you get uh get connected to the right folks and you know learn from our mistakes and all that good stuff. But. What, what's uh, I awesome. didn't, the one thing I didn't see? Uh, what's the like the time um, frame on this? Is it 1930s? Is it current? What what when does it take yeah. place? It's going to be sort of a roughly 1930s Depression era setting. Um, so you know you'll have. The only kind of car in the game was, was like pickup trucks and jalopies. Right? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, the two modes of transportation. So the thing in the Depression era, that was also a time there were a lot of textile mill strikes um, in, in that region. And, you know, you have like the Tommy gun at that point, um, which the the big boys and they have these guys called Kramer Holt agents, which is actually based on the, the Baldwin felt detective agency. That a lot of coal miner coal mine operators used to keep the the population uh, in line. They were from the detective agency, but they were really just sort of mercenaries. Muscle. And yeah. s- and so we wanted that sort of divide where some people have automatic weapons and and some folks don't, right? Um, and so another sort of uphill thing that the the characters have to to work against. They're on the the bottom side of the the technology scale. Um, but yeah, yeah, 1930s. The uh, another thing, that's one thing I didn't see. I, I didn't see a moonshiner in there. Yeah, there's. I'm looking at it right oh, you here. Got it? Is there? Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's right up here on my screen. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. The moonshiner. I notice you've got uh, some pretty cool looking new hindrances. Uh, yeah, I tried to try to get some setting specific uh, hindrances. One of them that you know sort of replaces habit and and the base rules is called clay eater. There's all these uh, legends about people from the region becoming addicted to eating clay. Like you can go read these articles from like the late 19th century where they were we stumbled across a strange village in North Carolina today. And uh, the residents seem uh, lackadaisical and pale and have dark circles around their eyes. And so this is like, you know, a phenomenon that was recorded. And so I wanted to work that into the game because I thought it was... It might be a way to handle some contemporary issues uh, that affect the region, like uh, opioid addiction, like the prevalence of meth, and turn that into something that's actually in the earth, right, um, that people get addicted to. Yeah, uh, it's just so evocative. And I think the – I mean, clearly your scholarship shows here. I mean, it, it's a um, – I think when when you know, when, when you know, people are there's a certain heightened sensitivity anymore about um, you know riffing on any kind of cultural properties, and I think it's really done right here. You can just tell there's an authenticity there. You can tell there's scholarship. You can tell that there's um, even though we're gamifying things that there's just right. really kind of a um, a respect for um, history and you know and the choices you make are deliberate. And I think they're just fantastic. I mean, in the, uh, the, uh, I, I'm on the, the, uh, edge of the spectrum where it's like, Hey, you know, uh, freedom of speech, uh, it's game, you know, do what you want, mm-hmm. have fun. But I think the, I think this, this comes off, um, I think with a level of seriousness that actually makes it much more attractive as a game. Um, cause I, well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a big sort of like, uh, hesitation that I had because you know there is so much cultural mythology about Appalachia and so many stereotypes going you know going back to the Be- Beverly Hillbillies uh, there's the MTV show Texas T Buck Wild in um, Deliverance you hear the dueling banjos you know what that means right okay. and I wanted to make a game that sort of engaged some of the iconic figures from the region the folklore the tradition uh, but not make it like all oh, these are a bunch of silly crazy hillbillies running around i wanted the, the folks to you know be heroes and be like complex uh characters so yeah that's something that i was thinking about but i'm like you know i grew up there i lived it i've studied it my whole life and i'm just going to give it a stab and see if i can get that tone right yeah, and I, I think it's even very approachable from someone like you know i have uh i've been around most of the country and not the big gaps in my travel have been mostly in the south and um 
you know, and I, I definitely need to rectify that, but the, I think it's still very approachable, um, even without them. I mean, it, it, you know, it just comes off as, I mean, we're, we're going parody fantasy with SWAT. So I mean, we're like no holds barred. This is a <laughs> joke, right? We're not, yeah, amazing. you know, yeah. it's, you know, this is a beer and pretzels game for SWAT. You know, we're not, you know, if, if anyone's getting steamed about it, you're just playing it wrong. But this just seems like, you know, uh, you you are stepping back in time. You are entering like, come on, folks, this is serious. We're going to tell some deep stories here. Let's go. And uh, I, it's very, I don't know, it's refreshing uh, to see this kind of stuff. I mean, I, I don't see a lot of this coming out in the RPG world. And, um, you know, uh, someone said of SWAT, like, you know, this is the, the uh, you know, uh, cops, uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, mashup I didn't know I needed. This is yeah, the yeah. Appalachian elegy I didn't know I needed. It's, it's, uh, I, I could just, it's so like I want to write for this. I want to I want to see the more of this. I want to hear the soundtrack. I mean, it's, well, you're it's, welcome to. All right, we we will get you some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, welcome. yeah. No, by all means. The uh, uh, yeah, and it's crazy, man. I, I get your apprehension on going like, is this a product? Is this going to go? Is this going to sell? Because you know there are 500 people putting up dungeon crawl D and D open source stuff on online, and there are not 500 people putting out um Appalachian Apocalypse games, right? And the right. um and even when you know that material gets touched, I mean it's it's been touched a little bit in video games and you know obviously Walking Dead um, being set where it is, you know, touches on a little bit of that, but you know, often too much you just get unnatural horror elements. You know, it is all, you know, uh pretty mouth, skin flaying, you know, um uh over weirdly sexual, you know, consequence stuff. Right. Um, and even Deliverance. I mean, Deliverance was written by a son of the South who became a poet laureate for the, you know. So, I mean, the, the actual source material. Um, uh, Dickey, I think, is the name of the guy. Yeah, James um, Dickey. Yeah, great great poet, great writer. Right? And so, you know, yeah. there there is some uh, – that, that wasn't just, uh, what they call it, hicksploitation. Um, no. But, you know, you know and a lot of them, you know, hand in hand with some of the, the exploitation kind of films, they're also like – those are the first times these cultures make it into the national consciousness in a big way. Right. So, you know, there, there's a duality there. You know, it's not all just bad and mocking. Uh, but I think we've kind of, uh, seeing this, it's kind of, we're past that in the sense that, um, kind of like Dogs in the Vineyard, I don't know if you played that, but Dogs in the Vineyard, um, and I kind of was a big and splashy, maybe a decade ago, came out for its, its novel mechanics, its dice mechanics. Um, but you play basically mormon jedi you are um in deseret and so it's you know it's in a, a mormon culture that never was but you you play the religious code enforcers and you have to go from town to town um and then the towns like you know, the basic mechanic is that um uh, apostasy leads to immorality and immorality leads to you know corruption by demons and the towns kind of go to crap and so you have to go back and and unravel you know, why are the bad things happening in this town? What what codes aren't being followed? What um, you know, scripture isn't being adhered to? And you kind of oh, unravel, wow. and you can you can dial it up from actual demons to just um, you know uh, bad things going on in the town. But you you kind of play you you have your book and your gun, and you play, and you're the dog who's keeping the sheep in line. And um, and you know, interesting on just how it it, it deterred it, it chose to take a specific time and a place, separated enough from reality so you have a little room to play, and um, and, and I, you know, a lot of people jumped on like the dice mechanic, and not a lot of people continued that same kind of uh, narrative um, uh, advancement um, idea, and I think this is kind of a successor to that in a way where it's. You know, you, you take a very evocative time and place. Um, it has been done a little bit in pop culture and in movies and books, but not a lot in role playing. And then, right. um, I just think it's—I I, I think it's fun. I mean, I can—I can see, um, you know, building a character here that you want to know the outcome to. Um, mm -hmm. Versus, you know, like SWAT. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's going to get invested deeply in loving your characters. It's—it's you know, it's, it's a game to run around, make fun of stuff, game. Um, but this, this kind of reminds me, um, Neil Hyde ran war of the dead and we got, you know, played for uh, in as many months, you kind of get a, a connected to your character and you, you, you've got this drama that you, you, you want to see play out. And, uh, I can see this setting being very evocative of that. I mean, just the, the, the kind of archetypes you can pick, um, you know, 
I, I love some of those choices. They're just like, yeah, no, these these have not been seen in games. Yeah, it's because the, they're, they're real people. Yeah, you know, it's it's your 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 character as much as you can in a role playing game is it's more of a real person. It's not a a fantasy archetype. So I think I think that that will really help people to to get in into it as well. So I love the fact you have. I was just looking through the some of the other hindrances. I love feud. Uh-huh. You got to have feud. I love that. I love it that it's a major or a minor, and and you know the 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 player character can work with with uh, you know the GM to choose who are you feuding with. You know, exactly. so that, I, I really like that. So yeah, we tried to do some things that would, in terms of the the hindrances and some of the the setting rules to to push narrative as as much as possible, um, because we think you know this is this will be a narrative first game and a narrative heavy game and you know some of the new suede rules go go hand in hand with that um spinning the benny to change a narrative detail or insert a narrative detail um so yeah yeah i i yeah the few thing i, I saw that and it was like the um one of the settings we've pushed back a couple years um just because wise guys came out and um Love what Eric Lamoureux and Mornay are doing with that. Is um, uh, one of my ideas is called Vendetta, and it, you know it's basically a mafia setting, but it's kind of focused around that that feud uh, element. And um, so we figured uh, I, I love that kind of element where you're bringing in with the feuds, and that that was kind of very much in 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 Vendetta. Um, just to, you know, how narratively could you play out a multi generational <laughs> family feud? And, um, you know, I, I think in some respects, um, you know, America has uh, popularized and, and maybe mocked a little bunch the, um, the Hatfields and McCoys, um, you know, as kind of a joke, um, you know, about, about, uh, I mean, you know, Looney Tunes got a hold of it, right? But right. the, um, uh, I met one of the descendants of one of the families, and this was after an interesting article came out where they had done some genetic analysis. And apparently on one of the lines of the families, they found kind of a uh, – this isn't doing it justice, but you might call it like a, a rage gene. And um, nice. and obviously the, the science of uh, biological behaviorism is, is very new and very controversial. But it was interesting just, just um, meeting an actual family member and, and hearing some of the – the the stories there and how those families even beyond the feud were also intermarried and connected and um you know just the the from a certain time and place in america that we we mythologize very much like we do al capone mm-hmm. um and uh and it kind of made it more real to me just actually meeting someone who was, who was one of the the descendants and um so i think that's i think that's what makes it more interesting i think when you you know, when you get past the, the pastiche of these settings uh, that you have know, reached the, the popular consciousness and, and you get to some actual details, some actual culture. Um, I mean, I want to have a cookout and play this game with just, you know, like <laughs> biscuits and gravy and corn and just, you know, I, I, yeah, you could definitely crawfish, yeah. crawfish boil. Oh, do the boil. Oh, my God. You know, just whatever it is, like the, the whole uh, I mean, it's not even cosplay. It's just like it's such a cultural thing that mm-hmm. uh, it makes it incredibly fascinating for me. So, yeah, we're going to have a little information on Appalachian dialect and, and phrases and, and those kinds of things, which you know people wouldn't have to adopt certainly, but it, it'll be there as a as a resource. I think that's why I wanted you to read the read the intro because I think there's a certain. I mean, you write very well, uh, but it's it's also these the, the little subtle things you pull in with the language and the. Um, you know, uh, aphorisms is the wrong word, but just the, you know, the little dialectical things, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, I, I pinged you back about the term big boy and hearing you say it in context, I think it fits great. Um, you know, when I read it initially, it was more of a, oh, I kind of got a, you know, a who's a good boy kind of thing. And exactly. No, yeah, but it, when yeah, you, so. when you say it in, in that, just that right little twang and in context, <laughs> it, it really fits. It, it definitely fits as a, um, a dual purpose phrase, as you said, both, yeah. you know, slightly mocking and, and, and slightly reverential. And, um, yeah, I love it. I, I mean, just, there's just, uh, I don't know. It's like dripping in theme. That's what I get out of the setting. It's like, it's just, there's so much, uh, to get into. It's not, you know, I don't think you wade lightly into this. I think you no. you know, <laughs> and, and we wanted to have that, that dual focus where like, if you want to have a campaign that's, that's based very much on, the labor conflict and trying to rouse, you know, the local residents to, to strike and fight back. 
against the companies. You know, you can play a campaign just about labor conflict, but there's also all this stuff about Appalachian folklore, cryptids, paints, the supernatural, uh, you know, faith healers in Appalachia, snake handling. Um, there's, there's a lot of room for mysticism too. And so when the, the big boys came, the holler, which is how just I'm describing the entire region of Appalachia was sealed off. Like it's an extra dimensional realm <laughs> now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I didn't want there to be like any escape from like whatever you did. I wanted those consequences to follow uh, the players. You can't just go across the country or say, I'm going to Detroit <laughs> and get the hell out of here. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to deal with, you know, what's happened. And I think it's also like, an, I don't know, for me, like a lot of folks uh, want to escape sometimes from, uh, certain things, poverty, abuse, uh, you name it, and, and it's difficult to do, and it seems like leaving would be almost impossible. So I wanted to have that sense like, shit, we really cannot leave, right? And so the big boys come from the city, and it's just the city, you know, as broad strokes as possible, because it's almost impossible to imagine it from that cultural position in that time in, in this setting, or that's how I wanted it to feel. Like you couldn't really even imagine what might go on there. Uh, no, I love that. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely fits. I mean, it's funny just going back, you know, and, and not to keep, you know, crossing over SWAT, but the, one of the funny things about SWAT was that the, I had forgotten about the last chapter of the, the Lord of the Rings, you know, where there's the, you know, uh, scourging of the Shire. And it's, you know, a very, Oh, sorry, folks. Spoilers. Right. The, uh, yeah, if you haven't read it yet, uh, guys, um, but you, you know where where there's this literally you know, the, the the kind of industrialization critique that, that Tolkien gave comes to the fore, you know, foreground. I mean, it is very much anti-industrial, anti-modernity, and you know the hobbits pay a price. There's this whole battle where you know thousands of hobbits die at the end of that book, um, you know, fighting off the last vestiges of, of this kind of industrialization, and the and I, you know, I see those elements here as well. And the um, this is a similar time period. I mean, there, there is that kind of in that part in our history, whether it was here in the UK or in Germany or whatever. This this fear of traditions going the way under industrialization and mm-hmm. you know lifestyles and qual and jobs and tradition just disappearing, and that that fear of being forgotten. And um, you know, along with kind of the. Um, uh, uh, the horror kind of, you know, in horror writing, they say, you know, if you can, don't show the shark, you know, uh, the, right. the, it, it's so much more powerful off screen. So I love the fact that the city is just the city. You know, it doesn't need to have stats and details. It's, it is a unfathomable other that mm-hmm. is just a, a looming negative force, kind of like death, right? You know, it's just, right. it's, it's, it's there waiting to change to, you know, uh, that's, I think that's a fantastic choice. Um, and, you know, and the isolation works too, because I think the, you know, it's kind of the, uh, in folklore, the hill people of all stripes, whether it's back in, in England or in, in America, this idea right. that it literally is a different world and you can get mm-hmm. lost in it and that it's not, you know, uh, the, the road in and the road out, uh, aren't necessarily the same thing. And then, and, and the, um, I, I think that works. I, I think keeping this in the microcosm where it's not just, oh, yeah, I want to go to the big city and get a bank loan and buy a bunch of guns and come back and solve this problem or whatever. You know, <laughs> right, like, yeah, yeah. The, uh, we'll take care of them. Yeah, it, it would it would be too easy, like you said. And so I think I, I love that idea is that, that you're taking that easy button away from the players and and making them really focus in on that that one area where they're at and how am I going to deal with what the consequences of what's going on what I've done what the big boys have done yeah I, I, that's that's really very cool thanks so the uh, so uh, I know it's a little early to ask but the um, uh, after after this setting you have any other uh, projects in the works any other ideas that are floating around well I. I do want to make my, my Puritan witch game at, at some point. Um, I might do that one next. I have uh, a notion uh, for a game that's sort of a, a tribute to, to prog rock. Uh, <laughs> nice. And I'm, I'm trying to come up with some way where 
like the group is a is a prog rock band, but there's also interstellar travel. Um, and I think you should have to make a concept album. Um, <laughs> and that the, the nine or ten tracks of the concept album should be adventure hooks that after you make the album, then your prog rock band has to go and, and work their way through. Oh, that'd be oh, fantastic. That's interesting. Yeah, I like so that. Some, something like that. The I adventure generator for that game would be amazing. <laughs> I can just see it. The, uh, similar, um, I helped out a little bit on um, Rockopolis, which is an okay. Italian game, which is similar in the sense that you play an up-and-coming rock band of any stripe um, you, you can pick, and you're kind of fighting uh, against other, you know, battle of the bands with other groups um, nice. you know, to, get, to get recognized. And it, it's got enough cheek in it, you know, cheekiness in it, that you can definitely do the, um, you know, to go there a little bit, to, to take the, uh, you know, for instance, in um, the adventure I'm writing for it, um, I figured it'd be fun because it, because it is so different than standard role playing. I thought it'd be fun to do a um, a kind of fantasy crossover where the the game is instead of being live, the mm-hmm. they're at the battle of the bands and the the drinks get spiked by one of the other bands, and so they're having a hallucination, and so you can kind of get one of these. Um, uh, yeah, there's some history of it you know, with uh, heavy metal kind of did it where it's you know it's it's, it's fantasy trip kind of weirdness with you know the 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 music and mm-hmm. and so in, in in when they go on to do their set instead of being like a battle of the bands where they're, they're just winning by the music the the music and the lyrics they play are also the armies that they're putting on the field and the battles they're having so um you know, you know if you played war pigs you'd actually have you know a li- literal kind of transcription of you know, generals and, and, uh, the black witches around and, you know, pigs on the field fighting each other and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, that's great. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, I think there is room for fantastical musical or RPG stuff. Um, I'm all for it. Um, yeah. that's pretty amazing. The, uh, so yeah, you, you told us a little bit before, but the, but, but the, um, you are actually a professor you teach. So there's, this has got, this isn't just a fly by night, uh, uh, you know, uh, garden picking out some cool stuff. I'm like, you're actually a professor. Uh, and that, you can definitely <laughs> yeah. tell by the writing, man, because some RPG writing is just subpar. And I, your stuff just come, you know, pops off the page. So what do you teach? Thanks, Chris. I teach um, uh, Southern Lit. I teach Appalachian Lit. I teach uh, creative writing, too. I've, I've been a, you know, the, the thing that got me away from, from gaming in the first place is I got into, like, writing poetry and just sort of, devoted my entire existence to the writing and teaching of poetry. And, um, you know, I just was working so hard to like, you know, establish myself in that world and in the academic world. And then you're teaching 150 students every semester. Um, so not a lot of time for gaming, but I'm, I'm just really happy that I've come back around to it. And, uh, writing for games is like, Incredibly fun, way more fun than writing poems. <laughs> well, now, now you've so. got 150 playtesters because you know it's like <laughs> yeah, this class yeah. is going to be a little different, yeah, right? Right. Yeah. The uh, I, I think we need to get you and David Garrett in the same room. David's one of our uh, friends and associates, and uh, he's also highly, very well read, very um, well spoken, and from the South. And um, nice. I think you guys would get along, gangbusters. Um, awesome. so yeah, we'll have to have, we'll have a little, uh, a little like gaming get together and maybe we'll record it, but the, uh, maybe we'll do a play test of, of the holler and uh, oh, that would amazing. be so much fun. Yeah. I want to, I want, I want to do that. Yeah. Let's get that on the calendar <laughs> because that sounds fun. Uh, so when, uh, do you kind of have a, I know some people hate this question and, and you can say that you don't, but do you have a timeline of when you're hoping to kickstart it and when you're hoping that, that it's out to everyone? Well, um, I've got about thirteen thousand words right now. I think in the document y'all have y'all have y'all have everything that I have. Right, yeah. Uh, but I have a good bit of time set aside this summer to just work exclusively on the game and I think I can probably write the full setting by by the end of the summer. Nice. And and we'll see how uh, we're gonna do a, a jump start. Carl's working with me on that and we'll see how that goes. I mean, so I I could potentially see this going to Kickstarter in, in the fall if everything goes smoothly. Nice. Well, we'll be on the lookout for it. We'll definitely get some play. We'll try to get a play test recorded in for you. So you got that for the uh, 
in the campaign. You could hear our our uh, silly asses playing. Uh, yeah, playing let's, let's 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 uh, get that together. Let's make that happen. And yeah, we'll record it and, and give you the audio. Oh, that'll be so much fun. Yeah. Well, nice. Any any other questions you got for us? Anything else you want to plug before uh, we uh, call it a day? Uh, no plugging. I mean, uh, Twitter. I'm at Oddbard. We have a, a website, oddbardgames.com. We don't have holler stuff up there yet because we want to be a little further along before we, you know, start throwing stuff up on the website. But yeah, that's um, that's the name of my LLC, right? It's uh, mostly me, but I have some friends who help me out as as well. So Oddbard Games. Excellent. That's perfect. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in our show notes. And uh, thank you, Tim. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, uh, blown away by seeing the, the preview for this. I'm very excited for it. And I uh, can't wait to meet you in person. Yeah, awesome. Same here. And uh, thanks for having me on and talking with me. Yeah, thanks a lot. Well, cheers, friends. Guys, that's uh, episode 33 of the Savage Cast. Thanks again for listening. Fox will give us where you can find us online. Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes. Uh, go there, rate us, give us a five-star review so that uh, other people can find us. Uh, you can email us, uproar at savagecast.com. We'd love to hear from folks, uh, show ideas, questions, things like that that we can bring in uh, to cover some topics that you all are interested in because uh, that's what we want to do. We want to give you guys uh, what you want to hear. So thanks again for listening to episode 33 of the Savage Cast. On behalf of Tim Early, this is Chris Savage Bull and our Christopher the Fox uh, Savage Mommy and uh, we'll catch you all later. Thank you.